Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Please don't tell my wife this. She would kill me. I mean, to be honest, I would leave my family for you. I just get butterflies when I see you. You are, without a doubt, the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Oh. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. And we are live. What's <laughs> up, you guys? Listen, your boy, number 90, we are creeping closer to that century mark. And if you all know me, you know I love creeping. <laughs> Joined by Jimmy Van, founder of Fightful.com. Jimmy, how are you? I'm all right. How are you, bud? I'm good. That's good. good. The busy week, and that's a good week. Yeah, yeah. We got some interesting stuff happening. We're going to, we're going to, it's funny. I was doing some like go home show research today, Sean. Some go home show research. Well, well, I'll tell you what, you didn't have to watch Raw or SmackDown to do any of that research. That's kind of why I did it. Yeah. So Nothing we're going to, happened. Yeah, we're going to get to that. I want to start off today by talking. First off, great, great, cute little intro. Thanks. Uh, I was telling Melissa, I like the way she played with her hair. It's like she knew what she was doing. And you, uh, I'm not going to question what you may or may not have done at the end of that. Well, but. I tried, well, a little behind the scenes, I tried to be as awkward as possible, Jimmy, which isn't tough for me. I was going to say, you're a natural. <laughs> you're a natural of the awkwardness. So that was good. I want to start off by talking about Renee Young. Yeah? So how many wrestling-related decisions can you think of, Sean, that are universally praised. Like, can you think of anything that you could do, even with, say, All In or, or the independent-friendly well, stuff? This show. This show. All right. One. All right. Can you think of anything otherwise that is universally praised, and you're going to have to really go a long way to find someone that's going to shit on it? It's, it's hard, and it's rare. Yeah. And this is one of those. And, uh, and kudos to Renee Young, and I'm not being biased because she's a Toronto girl. Not being mm-hmm. biased. 
but uh, she deserves it. She is the new uh, uh, what's her what's her title? Uh, third color commentator. Color commentator. Oh, okay. She's one of the color commentators in Raw. All right. And they've essentially flipped her and Jonathan Coachman. He's doing the kickoff shows now. I still think if it was me, Sean, I would probably just kind of let Jonathan Coachman go go call golf. And I would have Renee do the kickoff shows too because that's where her personality really comes through. I think that, that Jonathan Coachman can honestly do really well at the kickoff shows. I mean, not better than Renee. Renee's very no, special. Oh, he's never going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Renee's a future Hall of Famer, without a doubt. Jonathan Coachman, I think, can be good because I, I, I he's going to run point guard instead of being the small forward. You know what I'm saying? I got what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's not going to be as much throwing out as many opinions really bad ones he's the one asking the questions yes he's asking the questions yeah but i mean then again when you're asking the questions to some of those panelists maybe it's not the greatest thing maybe i, I was saying on the the post raw show booker t's gonna have a time with some of these panelists because yeah. renee young kind of keeps him sane i just i just think again like we've talked about before i just feel like coachman's not happy doing it like i just feel like he's so. It, it just seems like he's doing it for a paycheck. I almost wonder if in his head he's thinking professionally I've gone backwards. Like, I wonder if that's what he's thinking. But uh, he uh, he just doesn't seem like he's really too happy doing it. So uh, I guess we'll see how the kickoff shows go. I'm fully prepared to see Coachman still with the monotone, with the, with the you know, kind of emotionless face and, and all that. But I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. He drew uh, kind of... He drew my disrespect when he was very clearly targeting Dave Meltzer, who, you know, will sometimes report things that aren't factual and inserts his opinions in news stories, which I don't agree with. But to say (laughs) to this guy publicly in a quote tweet, you have no sources, you never have had any sources, you report nothing but fake, fake news. I was like, that is objectively a lie. Yeah. And, and he doesn't, doesn't know. That doesn't help. He doesn't. And he know. doesn't know. No. Maybe he's not one of the sources, but he's towing the company line. Vince, Vince's, Vince's hated the dirt sheets for years, even though he used to have dialogue, open dialogue with Dave Meltzer back in the '80s. But yeah, it is what it is. Let's move on. So, so I want to talk about pay-per-view go-home shows. So, pay-per-view go-home shows. Raw and SmackDown, Raw especially, used to be really newsworthy shows. Sean, they used to get you like just excited for the pay-per-view, you know? You, they'd go off the air and you'd be like, man, I have to order this show on Sunday because it's going to be amazing. And what I did was, because this was, uh, it was 20 years ago, uh, the, the Hell in a Cell match with Mankind and The Undertaker, and that's what they were plugging this week and everything, I decided to look at the pay-per-view from 20 years ago, which was not called Hell in a Cell. It was called The King of the Ring, 1998. And, oh, I, looked, and I looked at the, the go-home edition of Raw which took place on June 22nd, 1998, because I wanted to see how did they prepare that go-home show compared to how this year's go-home show was done for Hell in a Cell. And I just wanted to draw a little comparison. So back then, 20 years ago, do you remember the main event of uh, King of the Ring, 1998? Kane and Austin. Without Googling it? Okay, yes. So it was Kane. Yes, Kane, Kane and Austin for the WWF title first blood match. So that was the main event, right? So when Raw started, when the go-home show started in 1998 for that pay-per-view, they started with an in-ring promo with Kane where he said, if I lose this match on Sunday, I'm going to set myself on fire. Right? So immediately everybody's like, oh, baby. So someone's going to bleed. Someone's going to bleed. Kane might get lit up. And and so... Here's the thing. Either a title was changing hands or a man is going to set himself on fire. Right, right. So immediately you're like, well, that's going to be interesting both ways. You know, 
So there was that. Then throughout the night, they cut to Paul Bear. He was at home. He was selling injuries from a beating by The Undertaker. They kept cutting to him, getting comments from him. And they did that throughout the night, really driving home the point of what the main event is for the King of the Ring 1998. Then they have Kane squash the Road Dog in singles competition when the Road Dog was one half of the tag team champions. Had him squash Kane again to drive the point home that this is like your, your contender, your top contender for your title. Then they have Austin... Uh, I think it was in the uh, the final segment. Austin comes out, and Kane is in the ring. Kane has arms go up, arms go down, blood comes out, drips all over Austin, gives you that nice visual of Stone Cold covered in blood to go off the air. And that was how they did the go-home show of Raw going into that particular match. And there was other stuff on the show. They had King of the Ring qualifying matches. They had a lot of Taker Mankind stuff, video packages and promos and stuff. But for the main event, that's what they did. Raw this week... Uh, the go-home show for Hell in a Cell. They started with a schmoz with the Shield, which they've done for, like, what, three weeks in a row. Uh, then they had Corbin uh, uh, threaten to arrest them again. Then they had Braun out in the ring, and here comes Roman, and he does the little Death Valley driver through the thing, and you're off the air. And I watched that thing to myself, man, in comparison... Makes you want to fire up King of the Ring 98 and watch it, doesn't it? Kind of. Kind of. A 20-year-old show, that Raw makes you want to go back and say, damn, let me watch the pay-per-view that followed it. Yeah, it kind of did. And the other thing that I couldn't help but notice about this particular episode of Raw this year, like like this this week, was if you looked at the show outside of, say, the Roman Braun stuff, and if you looked at what they presented, they presented Nikki Bella in a match. She's not currently scheduled for Hell in a Cell, right? They had DOP do a squash. They're not currently scheduled for Hell in a Cell. They had Triple H cut a promo. He's not currently scheduled for Hell in a Cell. They had uh, KO do the, do the beatdown of Tyler Breeze and cut a promo. He's also not currently scheduled for Hell in a Cell. Bobby Roode and Chad Gable had another tag. They're not on the pay-per-view. Finn Balor and Elias, they're not on the pay-per-view, although I'm sure Elias is going to do a guitar segment or something. But, yeah. but they're not scheduled or advertised for the show. A three-hour show, and I realize that it's a split roster now, and I realize that Hell in a Cell, I think most of the featured matches this show are SmackDown matches, but a three-hour Raw show, and I would say probably three-quarters of it, featured non-pay-per-view advertised talent. It just seemed like, what's going on? You know what it felt like to me? It felt like the mentality was, okay, we got to get through this show, we got to get through Hell in a Cell on Sunday, and then we can start focusing on what's really important, which is evolution and Super Showdown. And that felt to me like that's the mentality. We got to get this through the show and we got to get through this pay-per-view so that we can focus on the, the important stuff. Yeah, it, there was nothing about Raw that made me say, damn, I got to watch Hell in a Cell Sunday. Working yeah, for really. this website makes me say, damn, I've got to watch Hell in a Cell Sunday. That's really the extent of it. An eight-match card, and I'm, I'm okay with that. Don't get me wrong. I mean, some of the I'm matches, some of the matches uh, uh, look good, and, and I've got the card here. And i got to tell you, I hate to use the word optimistic, Sean, but I'm actually optimistic about some of the matches on this card. So let's talk about the card. So they've got uh, Universal title, Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman. Mick Foley's going to be the guest referee. It's in the cage. I think that they're going to do something. Do you remember Austin when the big show debuted? Yeah. Big Show picked up Austin, threw him against the cage, cage open. Stone Cold sure. technically, technically won, but uh, uh, it didn't you know, hurt anybody. 
Yeah. I could see them doing something like that. I could see Braun throwing Roman into the cage and it breaks, or I could see Braun breaking the cage and Roman rolls out. I could see them doing something like that so that Roman retains, but they don't hurt Braun in the process. I would love to see them bring back the old style cage, like for a special attraction or something. You mean the blue cage? Dug- the blue clay cage, they turned it black for a while. I mean, it's it's a pain in the ass. Every wrestler I've ever talked to that wrestled in one said, uh, I hope they never bring it back yeah. because it hurt a lot. Yep. But they also wanted to be different from WCW, and yeah. it was easier to climb. Yes. But I think that would be a nice little attraction for one of these, like a Super Showdown show. Like the old style cage, bring it back. Uh, I mean, it would have kind of made sense to do like a Triple H Undertaker match, two people from that era in that type of match. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. That's not a bad idea. Maybe they can bring that back. I mean, if they still have it. They don't need to construct a new one. Oh, it's in the warehouse, Sean. Yeah. You know it is. Next one is WWE title, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe. I know that you've been speculating they're going to let Styles go the full year with the title. Hoping. Hoping they do. Just just because at this point, why not? But I feel this this has been okay. The, the promos leading up to it, but AJ Styles wrestling on TV is special now. He never wrestles on TV. Which is Maybe how it should be with, really with guys. It should be like that with guys. Uh, now, I personally am looking forward to this match. I've been finding it the whole thing entertaining. Uh, Daniel Bryan, Bree, The Miz, Maurice. I find the whole thing kind of funny, and, and we haven't seen the best out of Daniel Bryan in terms of his in-ring because of who he's dealing with, but it's been yeah. kind of entertaining. I've been digging it, so that's going to be a tag match. I think Bryan's got to get his win back. You know? I think Brie gets the win, so they can put her over heading into Evolution. Makes sense. And then the Miz can continue to say, you didn't beat me, you didn't beat me. That's what I would do. I and work. then eventually you can go back to it. Raw women's title, Ronda Rousey, Alexa Bliss. There's only one Rousey. outcome. Only one outcome. Yeah. It's, it's, it might be one of the most predictable matches in the history of WWE. They can't go in yeah. any other direction. You know? this, is, this is why I keep preaching against mandatory rematches. Why, why did you need to do this again? Right. Right. You didn't need this match again. Yeah. SmackDown Women's Title: Charlotte versus Becky. I'm optimistic, man. I'm Me optimistic. Too. I'm feeling it. Bret Hart, Steve Austin, WrestleMania 13, Sean. I'm optimistic, man. Double turn territory. I feel it like that's where be. we're headed. It should, it should be that, and and if not that, Charlotte should cheat to win. But the thing is, you don't have Becky come out and bitch about it. Nobody wants. Doesn't matter. Nobody wants to hear a crybaby. Like no, nobody cheered when Tito Ortiz would get on the mic and say, I came into this fight with yeah. seven bulging discs. I'm going to be paralyzed. Yeah, yeah, nobody, yeah, yeah. nobody likes that. I, uh, I, I found it interesting on SmackDown. Charlotte went down to the ring. She's smacking hands with the fans and stuff. And I watched that thinking, when's the last time she did that? Because she usually goes out there holding her robe and she's got that poise when she goes out. And this yeah. time she's smacking hands. I understand the selfie thing on the way out. That was leading to the Becky attack. But going in, she's smacking hands, and I'm watching that going, she's trying too hard to be a good guy. She's trying yeah. too hard. So I, I feel like there's going to be something on the show as well, so I'm optimistic about that. Uh, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, Hell in a Cell. Jeff, don't die, my friend. Yeah, this don't die. Doesn't need to go. it doesn't need to go to 2025. It's going to go. No. I hope. I wish it was a sprint, and I wish it would last about 12, 13 minutes. Yes. Action packed. But when you have eight matches on this show and you know Rousey Bliss isn't going long. Yes. I mean, they can add more matches to it. They can add more to it, but we don't need to see Jeff miss the swanton off the top of the cage. We'll get a random kickoff match. Like maybe the B team gets a squash. Uh, Yeah, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. 
But we don't need to, what's Jeff now? 40, 41. We don't need to see him do a swanton off the cage and miss and take that bump. Because that's the obvious thing they might do. We don't need to see it, man. Or what if he does a jump off the cage and Orton catches him with the RKO, which is still a tough bump to take from the top yeah, of the cage? Don't need to see it. We don't need to see uh, it. Have it in this uh, week's Fightful Wrestling Weekly, which I cover at FightfulSelect.com, our premium service on the Weekender podcast. Also, our buddies at PWU covered that as well. Check them out. But I, I was told this is basically a favor to Jeff. It is what everybody expects it to be. He's been talking about that, too, about how that's something he wanted to do. He wanted to do it. Yeah. Uh, SmackDown tag, New Day, Rusev, Aiden English. I'm optimistic again, Sean. I'm optimistic again because I feel like they're going to give Rusev a shot. I feel like they're going to give it a shot, but they need new goddamn music. They need new babyface music. Yes. Otherwise, I'm optimistic they're going to give it a shot. I know the New Day just, just re-won the titles, but they won them because uh, Rowan went down to injury. I feel like they're going to give it a shot, and they're going to put the titles on Rue 7 in English. So uh, I really hope they don't do the English turn. That would be a bummer. Yeah. You know? What they need to do is have Rusev Day win and turn New Day heel. Look That'd be interesting. At, look at the lay of the land on SmackDown. Who are the heel themes right now? Sanity. That's uh, it. The bar. The bar. That's really it. Can you go back to the bar? I've been told that WWE doesn't have a lot of faith that Sheamus is going to be around a year from now. Oh, really? Yeah. He's he's not. Well, he's feeling fine. Maybe his body isn't as much. But yeah, uh, I got it. And actually, from what I've been told, he's gained a lot of respect within the company for pushing through that and, and continuing to work. But you've beaten Sanity to death. You have the bar. If you have Rusev Day and the Usos on the good side of things, and then maybe another babyface team I can't think off the top of my head. But I just, what more can New Day do as babyfaces right now? I think the and, only problem is that Vince is going to look at their merch sales. That's true. That's and, true. That's you know, point. that means everything to him. I think he's going to look at that and say, oh, we can't screw that up. They have a book that just came out. and that, you know. That's a good point. I look, I look at so, things more from a creative aspect. So, yeah. That, that, oh, I'm looking, I'm looking dollars all the time. All the time. So that's that's probably what they're thinking. I only look at that when uh, I submit my invoice to you, Jimmy. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. I spent a lot of time looking at that. Got that Adobe Premiere CC and co- 2018. And, and combing over it. Oh, that's nice. And uh, Raw Tag Titles, Drew and Dolph, Seth and Ambrose. I think Drew and Dolph retain. I, I would love the idea of having multiple titles held by a, a guy, kind of like the old Heart Foundation days. So seeing Seth with the IC title and the tag titles would be, would be new and different, but I think they're going to retain. I think uh, Braun's going to interfere, and then that's just going to help build up the Roman match that much more. So Yeah, I think they're going to retain as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, now a couple of things about Hell in a Cell. Uh, first off, I want to talk about Mick Foley. So I thought that he looked amazing on Raw this week. Uh, we hadn't seen him in like a year and a half. He was heavier then. He had that bad limp going to the ring. This time, the guy's hustling down there. He's got this pep in his step. He practically did a little run to get onto the apron. He had his hip surgery. He had his knee surgery. And I thought that he physically looked the best he's looked in years. So Yeah, I did too. For him. Uh, everybody keeps asking if he'll take a bump. I don't believe he'll take a bump. No, I don't think so either. I thought for sure we were getting a Sako spot there. Oh, Yeah. Really? I thought we were. And I mean, if he could do anything, he could get hit in the back with a guitar. I think he'll try, I think he'll try the, the Sako spot with Braun. He's going to try it with Braun. Really? Yeah. Yeah. But mm. it's not, it's not going to work out for him. No, it's not going to work. But I think he'll try it with Braun. So we'll see how that goes. Interesting. And then another thing I want to talk about, and again, this is you know, kind of what I just said. I'm feeling optimistic 
not just because of the Rusev day, they look like they're going in the right direction, not just because it looks like they're going to pivot with Charlotte. I'm optimistic when I look at Leo Rush with Bobby Lashley. I am too. So That's I unique, right? Ran a story this morning. I immediately reached out when I saw him because Drew Gulak being on Raw, okay, that was a little surprising to me. I was like, okay, you didn't wrestle, so why is he there? They don't fly most of these guys into Raw anymore. Mm-hmm. Then I saw Drake Maverick, and I was like, all right, they're pivoting. They they, they reached, and they, they got somebody. And then when I saw Leo Rush with Bobby Lashley, I was like, something's up. Yeah, There's been a paradigm shift backstage. So I talked to uh, some people with knowledge of the situation. He said that basically these 205 Live guys are sometimes working one to six days a month. Mm-hmm. WWE has them under contract. They want to maximize the return on their investment. And there has been a major, I don't want to say major push, but a heavy push backstage to reintroduce managers. And mm-hmm. this is kind of Vince McMahon's ways of dipping his toes into the water. And I don't think it's any coincidence that the three guys you've seen on Raw from 205 Live, mm-hmm. Drew Gulak, even though it's been in a different setting, Drake Maverick, Leo Rush, all those guys can talk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All now, of them can talk. The one thing I think think is shitty is if they think, well, Bobby needs something because he's been floundering when the creative's not his problem. You know what I mean? They're putting him in the ring meditating with Jinder Mahal. They're having him feud with Elias for really no reason. They're, they're doing a thing where he's beating Sami Zayn with a vertical suplex. At friggin' that's, sister promo. Yeah, like that's not Bobby Lashley's fault. So if their mentality is, oh, he needs something because he's, he's floundering, not his fault. But uh, I think that these guys would be agreed together. Why not turn Bobby heel? He was good in TNA. I'm sorry, Impact, you know? He, he was TNA then, but he's 15, 15 and 2 as an MMA fighter. Right. Like he is a, for you can say what you want about the quality of opponent, he's got, got a good record. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're pivoting a little bit mm-hmm. and moving towards using managers. And, and you know something? You know, Brock's not there, and WWE loved the, the, the realism behind Brock Lesnar. Why not make Bobby Lashley your Brock Lesnar? And then if do Brock it. comes back, exactly. have them face each other. Sean, this isn't that hard, man. Come it's on. It's not. That hard. You and I are talking about this stuff off the cuff like this. It's not that it's hard. It's not that hard. Yeah. That's WWE, what they need to do. That's, I, that's I would right. even, because Brock's not there, I would even consider putting MMA shorts on Lashley. I would. Yeah. You know? He'd because Brock's not too. there. And weren't Lashley's MMA shorts the tight GSP style? Yeah. Weren't they? There you go. Put him in the MMA shorts that he used to wear. This isn't yeah, that hard, Sean. I asked a little bit more about 205 Live, and I've been told they're really hot and cold about any changes because I've heard a lot about. Oh, maybe they're changing nights. Maybe they're they're canning it. Maybe they'll go on the road. But hot and cold on making any firm plans because last year they tried to invest in 205 Live heavily. They had Enzo Amore there. Didn't work out. They had mm-hmm. Neville there. Didn't work out. When they were pushing Rich Swan, Didn't work out. Mm-hmm. So that's time, uh, Austin Aries. Didn't work out. Mm-hmm. That's three and plus Rich Swan, Four guys that they really, really pushed on that show that they wanted to to make that special to the point to where they had Enzo Amore in main event segments on Raw. Right. And it, they were good main event segments too. So it's it's hard for them to just jump all in on that. But if you know if Leo Rush proves valuable, man, I, this is this is a great thing for Bobby Lashley and it's a great thing for Leo Rush. Because oh, I don't yeah. know how many people who don't watch 205 Live even know that he was on that show. Do you remember how Jimmy Hart used to get tossed all over the place? by like the junkyard dog and Roddy Piper. Imagine Leo Rush with his athletic ability, his aerial ability. Imagine him getting tossed around as, as Lashley's second. The guy'd be awesome. 
imagine him getting tossed around and then instead of flying he lands on his back and shoulders then pops right back up to there his feet. There you go. There you go. And Bobby Lashley knocks the shit out of whoever did it. Right. Leo Rush is without a doubt the most incredible athlete I've ever seen in pro wrestling. I had to see him in person to believe him and I, I was able to do that when I went to Orlando last year. I got to see, I think it was him and Velveteen Dream. Mm -hmm. That was fun. Mm -hmm. And there was this opening series, if you go back and watch it, September of last year. I've I've never seen someone move like that in a ring before. And I've seen Ricochet wrestle. And I thought Ricochet was, at that time, the most incredible person like that I'd ever seen. Leo Rush is something special, and he has it on the mic. He's really good. And he learned. He's still very young. And Mm -hmm. I'm hoping he learned from the Emma situation Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. after that tweet. Because uh, he's back in the fold. Yep, he is. We'll see what happens. Let's move on and talk about Mr. CM Punk. Isn't it interesting that CM Punk, so he leaves WWE, whatever that was now, 20, I don't even know anymore. Okay, he leaves WWE. He is the baby face with wrestling fans, right? Leaves WWE, he's got a staph infection that's like mistreated, and he's got Triple H saying all this shit about him, taking drug tests and stuff. He's the baby face, right? Then all he had to do was spend the next three, four years talking shit about pro wrestling, crapping all over pro wrestling, going into the UFC, getting his ass kicked against plugs, although uh, Gall wasn't a plug, but the other guy was. And then, allegedly, promising Colt Cabana they'd cover his legal fees, reneging on it. And now, in that four-year span, he has kind of shifted from the wrestling fan darling babyface to the asshole with most wrestling fans. Don't you agree that he's kind of done that pivot? Speaking of pivots? To, to, a, to a degree, yeah. I mean, in four and a half, five years, Fightful and WrestleZone are the only two outlets that have anything to do with wrestling that he's spoken to. And we had to we had to go to his media day yeah. in, I think it was Milwaukee, Steve went there, and to his court case to yeah. get those. Yeah. To get those. He has no interest in, in that. I mean, he does the thing at Pro Wrestling Tees. Yeah. And actually... Uh, when I spoke to a penis druid last week, <laughs> when I spoke to a penis druid exclusively on FightfulWrestling.com, he said that Punk was in great spirits at the signing. Right. Nobody was asking him about All In. That probably helped contribute to his positive attitude. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or Mike Johnson. Or what was, what was the guy's name that knocked him out? Or that beat him? Mike Jackson. I Mike don't Jackson. Think Mike Jackson. Yeah, that's right. I don't. I, I'm assuming nobody talked to him about Mike Jackson either, right? Yeah, I get the feeling Mike Johnson might be the only person. <laughs> Mania Punk right now. So let's talk uh, about Punk. So he was interviewed this past week by 411 Mania and by Ariel Hawani, uh, who, yeah. people, who people might know from MMA fighting, and now he's with ESPN. So yeah, uh, he's, he's been interviewed by 411 too. They they have a. That's what I just said by 411, yeah. and uh, he was doing it to promote Ultimate Beastmaster, which is a reality show on Netflix. And Punk is the host this season for the American team or whatever. So that was the catalyst for him doing these interviews. But of course, when you're going to do these interviews with those types of media, they're going to ask you about wrestling or they're going to ask you about MMA. Yeah. And so he was asked about training MMA. He said, "Quote: As soon as I wrap here, meaning uh, doing the interviews and all that, I'll be right back in the gym." He was asked why 411 if he's going to fight again, and he said, quote, I don't know. I'm focused on this movie right now. You'll have to ask me when we wrap, which is in a couple of weeks. He's talking about a movie that he's doing. It's a small-budget movie called Girl on the Third Floor. Uh, so that's what he's doing right now. Then when he was interviewed by Errol Hilwani, he said mostly the same stuff. Uh, he said that he was not given a firm offer to do All In, which is something you hear a lot out of punk. 
You know, the, you'll, you'll hear them ask, you know, are you going to do this show or are you going to do this show? And so I was like, well, I haven't gotten a firm offer. I know that the Young Bucks have said, well, we hit them up and said, are you available? Do you want to do it? Punk's mentality is, if you don't say, here's my opponent, here's the dollar amount, then to him it wasn't an offer, which I guess is kind yeah. of fair. But uh, so he said that. And then he also said, when it comes to wrestling, quote, there's nothing that interests me in wrestling. Um do you think he's following wrestling at all? Because given the current landscape, given this revolution, as Jericho calls it, with the independent scene, how can he not? How can he say there's nothing interesting about pro wrestling unless he's either not following it or he's still pretty sour about it? I think he worked himself into a shoot, Jimmy. I think that when he went on the Cabana Show, which I think are two of the all-time best podcasts in wrestling history, those are incredibly enlightening podcasts and very transparent. He was so negative that I think that he feels like he would go back on his word almost if he mm. jumped right back in. Now, to be fair, he did say, oh, I'm not going to say never, ever, ever, but he has at times. Uh, he told Chris Van Vliet. He told Chris Van Vliet. He said never, never ever. That's what he so, said. It's really, really hard to tell, but also in those interviews, like, I mean, I know 4 on 1 didn't ask him about wrestling at all. They were probably and told not to, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. So when I was told that he was doing media interviews for Ultimate Beastmaster, I was told, well, I'm pretty sure you could probably land it, but no wrestling, little MMA. I'm like, I don't really have that much interest in talking to him about Ultimate Beastmaster. I don't know what the shit an Ultimate Beastmaster is. I later find out it's like American Ninja Warrior. What if somebody asked him a question like, hey, so what do you think about Triple H as a competitor in Ultimate Beastmaster? Triple H would be the shits at Ultimate Beastmaster. I'm just saying it'd be a way to get punks talking about Triple H. I guess so. You know? Uh, As Dang MQ is saying in our live chat, Punk would be great on being the elite. That would be really entertaining stuff. I thought he was pretty great on Ariel Hawani's show, and he went off about UFC interim welterweight champion Colby Covington saying that Colby Covington appealing to the the right wing and the make America great again and the Donald Trump demographic was lowest common denominator. But we are, we have an end with Colby Covington. James Lynch speaks to him almost every other month and actually talked to Colby about his appearance back or his appearance with WWE backstage, him talking to Rousey and CM Punk's comments. Take this a is good stuff. This is good stuff. The other thing that happened recently, uh, not recently, I should say maybe a month or so ago, you went to Raw. Uh, it was it was going on. I actually talked to Dan Lambert uh, when he was in Calgary, uh, you know, there for some of the ATT guys. And obviously you got a good uh, chance going there. How was that whole experience getting to see Raw backstage? Oh, Raw was an eye-opener, man. It, it was an unbelievable experience. You know, being able to go backstage and see all the pro wrestlers, you know, get to hang out with Kurt Angle. You know, my good friend Bobby Lashley from American Top Team, uh, me and Dan Lambert and John Hartnett, we got to – you know, we got to see it all. We hung out with Ronda Rousey. We got to share a good moment with her for 20, 30 minutes, just talking, sharing stories about fights and stuff. So it, it was a cool opportunity. You know, I got to talk to Paul Heyman. He was running me through some stuff. And, you know, everybody's just stand-up people there. And, and the pro wrestling world, they really uh, respect the MMA world. So, you know, I, the thing is, is I'm doing pro wrestling better than the pro wrestlers are doing. So <laughs> uh, it was a great moment. You know, we should we got to see all those guys and, and see what the future holds. Cause that's what I feel like the future holds for me. I'm going to go over there and be a WWE champion. What's up Vince McMahon? Yeah. Is there, is there any progress on that? You talked about that last time about there has been talks. Uh, was there any further conversations with Vince when you were there? 
Yeah, there, you know, I, I know Dan Lambert, my manager, is, is in talks. You know, I let him do that. I just focus on training and getting better in all aspects of my life and, and wrestling and, and fighting and, and as a person. So, you know, I, I leave that up to my agent, Dan Lambert. And, you know, I know he's talking to him. But, but first things first, you know, I'm still competitively hungry and, and I still have the itch to defend what's mine. That's this belt. So, you know, I got to go out there and defend this belt against the number one contender, Tyquil Woodley. And, and then we'll, we'll talk about uh, WWE after that. Uh, just one more thing. You mentioned talking to Ronda Rousey. Anything specific you guys talked about, uh, you know, backstage? Uh, you mentioned swapping fight stories. Anything cool that came out of that? Uh, you know, she was uh, she was just telling us, you know, about her, you know, about all the promotion that led up to her fights and, and uh, you know, how she wanted to sell the fights and this and that. But she's a really humble person. You know, I know she gets a lot of slack from the media, you know, for all her, her antics and the way she promoted fights. And she was always that girl that was in the girl's face and, Everybody says she's a snob, but she's actually a really humble person. You know, she gives back a lot of her time. She donates a lot, and, and she's just a good person, you know. She was telling us some funny stories about, like, Twizzlers, how, you know, Twizzlers is one of her sponsors, and, and you know, just how she gives away Twizzlers to a lot of kids. So, you know, she's just a good person, you know, and, and she's one of the biggest names in the WWE now, so I'm excited for her success and wish her nothing but continued success. Another big name in the WWE is CM Punk, and I don't know if you saw yesterday, he called you racist. Uh, what were your thoughts on that, uh, him, him going after you? Uh, this is also coming from a guy that stole all his wrestling moves from Kenta, so, you know, he's a fake motherfucker, so you can't believe anything that comes out of his mouth. So, you know, I, I didn't hear those remarks. I, I don't pay attention to someone who's irrelevant to MMA. I mean, the guy's a complete joke, you know. Don't use my name to try and get some notoriety and clout in the MMA world because you're a joke, man. You're 0-2 in the UFC against two bums they had to bring in. So CM Punk should stick to, to his little bullshit and, and, and leave the, the prime time to me. That full interview is up at FightfulMMA.com. We have uh, stories going up all week on this interview. YouTube.com slash Fightful, FightfulMMA.com. It's crossover, so you'll see it on the wrestling side of things as well. Uh, Colby had plenty to say. That is one of the more unique matchups that will never happen. Yeah. Because Punk says he doesn't want to do pro wrestling, and in the uh, MMA cage, Colby would kill him inside of 30 seconds. Yeah. yeah. So uh, so it's not going to happen. Too bad, because can you imagine the promo work between Punk and Colby Covington? Yeah, I think Punk would probably shit all over him in the promo department, to be honest with you. Oh, he would. He would. <laughs> and you notice in that, because we know that Colby is just playing a character, and everybody gets that. Uh he was pretty low-key for most of this interview with James because I yeah. think that's kind of like the real Colby. Yeah. And, until he starts... Because he's, he's learned from like Conor McGregor. You've got to, you've got to market yourself. You've got my, to play a character. My favorite thing about those interviews, and we've got probably six interviews with Colby Covington up on Fightful.com, is watching James Lynch try not to crack up <laughs> during all these. Because you see James. And James is a consummate professional. Yeah, yeah. He really is. And to see him try not to bust out laughing is phenomenal. Friends of mine, uh, friends of mine that see James stuff, sometimes they joke at me and they're like, "Is he in a hotel room? Like, where the hell is he?" Sometimes he is. <laughs> sometimes he's in a hotel room. Well, apparently, his new place in BC. Apparently, he has an office. So yeah, so good for James. Did, I wanna... did you see? Well, hold on. Did you see the promo that Randy Orton or that Jeff Hardy cut on Randy Orton this week? No, I missed it on SmackDown. You didn't? No. Okay. I have, well, I have children, Sean. Well, he, <laughs> I love that Dan, he was like, and after tonight, I'm going straight to hell. Enjoy the show. <laughs> the first thing that he said was, and I'm going to hell. 
<laughs> Randy Orton wants to inflict a load of pain on me. <laughs> and let me tell you, if you want to get in the mood to inflict a load, oh, here we go. <laughs> our buddies at BlueChew.com have you covered. <laughs> and maybe you'll have somebody else covered after you inflict a load. Oh, no. Come on. Come on. Use that code Fightful. Are we going to get kicked off YouTube? <laughs> no. Use that code Fightful to get your first shipment free. Just pay $5 shipping. Our boys at BlueChew.com will get you in the mood. They'll give you that extra confidence in the bedroom. They use the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. But it comes in a chewable, so they work way faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. They are prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. No in-person doctor's visit. No waiting in the, uh, at the pharmacy, rather. And best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Go ahead, my friends. Take the dive off of that cell right into it. BlueChew.com. Code Fightful. Let them know you heard about the, uh, about them from us on Twitter at get blue chew. I'm stumbling over my words. I was so excited to inflict a load. How long have you been waiting to a day. Uh, we didn't have a blue chew segue last night, so I had to save it. No, but I was curious how long you've been waiting to try to, you know, subtly suggest facials on the Listen Your Boy podcast. Like how long have you been trying to sneak that in there like that? Did you meet yourself? Oh, he's just bullshitting. I will hurt you. Did you screw something up, Melissa? I haven't even touched it yet. Did you actually? Is he screwing I think he got so excited about the Blue Chew promo that something happened and he knocked out the mic. All right, let's move on because he might be full of shit. So let's move on. I want to talk about... <laughs> you know, our audio-only listeners right now, Sean, can't see anything that you're doing. I don't know if he's full of shit, Melissa. Let's move on. I want to talk about the time off cycle thing again. And we've talked about... No, I can't hear you. All right. Hold on. Did you do something, Melissa? I didn't even click it. You sure? Yeah. Oh, what the heck, Sean? I think Melissa did something. She did something. I will always blame Wirecast. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. I have no idea what she just said. Let's do this. Air the second clip. That you were going to air later, Melissa? Mm-hmm. Air it now. This is with the penis druids <laughs> from the all-in telecast. Air that video now, and then we can try to work out Sean's uh, audio while we're working on that. And Nigel, get in here, please. I'm not, I'm not sure how many people knew Joey was back there. You know, obviously the Jacksons and Cody knew. But we we went as, as far as rehearsing. We went as, Cody brought, brought us out on stage and kind of went over the gist of you know, this is what's going to happen. And, you know, it, we did as much as we could without actually bringing out any of the costumes or bringing Joey out. And for, you know, for Hangman Page to just trust us that we'd be able to, you know, carry him out of the ring in those costumes and not drop him, you know, I, I personally thanked him after the show for that, you know, because that's, you know, that's awesome of him to trust us to do that because those costumes were weren't the easiest to walk in they were they were a little weird around the around the knees 
so it, it kind of made it a little hard to walk up and especially having to walk up the stairs you know thank god none of us dropped him you know we we were able to get him out of there and yeah i mean it was basically done on no rehearsal you know we all we all knew what we were doing you know we all had our all right this is what you're doing this is what you're doing but for it to run as smooth as it did you know that that it's that in and of itself is awesome because i mean i i, I watched it back a few times on tv and me seeing it i'm like oh my god you know we we got lucky but I don't know how it came off. You know, people, I, you know, would assume that we went over that, practiced it a few times, but no, we absolutely had no time to, you know, run through that and carry, carry page, you know, hangman page out of the ring prior, just to make sure we could do it. You know, luckily it's just, you know, we had work on our side. Were there any issues like carrying him, any grip, any balance issues? Um, No, not really. It was just, it was going up the stairs that, you couldn't look down. So luckily nobody tripped, you know, we all, you, you know, when we were going up there, you know, everyone kind of, you good, you good, you good. You know, I mean, we, we all had, a, you know, we all had them pretty tight and are, you know, if we figured if one person can hold them up, you know, they, they drop them a little bit, you know, we'll all sort of put them down a little bit just so that it looks like we're all in unison and not, you know, one penis wasn't, wasn't <laughs> as strong as the others. As is often the case. Uh, yeah, so, you know. We're back. We're all back. And, and the, the best thing is, right now, I can see Melissa on the screen to <gasps> my left. Oh, you can? Why yeah, don't we have this set up all the time? No. <laughs> we could start doing that. Because right now. I've got a tiny window up at the top. You know what's funny? Right now, I can't see Melissa because the monitor's in my way, so I can't oh, see her. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I can right now. I can see Nigel standing right next to her. Really? I can see her moseying around looking. Well, how about that? How about that? All right, let's try to uh, get some semblance of reality and move on here. Yeah. So we've talked in the past about time off cycles for WWE uh-huh. talent. Remember we were talking about they signed the new contract, like $1.325 billion for Raw and like a billion for SmackDown over five years, and we talked about the talent's going to want their piece. The talent's going to want their piece. What can you do to appease the talent? The suggestion that I had was cover their hotels for live events, yeah. give them a, a per diem for food, and implement time off cycles. And the reason that I like the idea of time off cycles is because you give them a couple months off, maybe once or even twice a year. They get to rest up. They get to, to heal up. They come back rejuvenated. They come back excited. And you know the whole thing about absence makes the heart grow fonder. The fans yep. will be happy to see them, and they'll be a hotter act. The problem that I'm having right now with WWE TV is that you have all this elite-level talent, like Shinsuke Nakamura, like Asuka, Kevin Owens, Bobby Lashley, Sasha Banks, Bailey. That is not on television every week. In some cases, they haven't been on television in weeks. But it's not because of a time-off cycle, Sean. Yeah. They're still doing live events, and they still make little cameos on television, like Oscar's little bullshit with Feel the Glow and all that crap. That was terrible. Yeah, they uh, they still make cameos. It's because creative clearly has no idea what to do with these people. Like, they clearly just don't know what to do with them. And so my question is, why don't you set up some little injury angle or something Get Asuka off TV for a couple months. Let her go home. Get Shinsuke off TV. Drop the U.S. title. Let him go home. Let them go home for a couple months. Even do the videos like they used to do to to tease he's coming back. And then, boom, he comes back hotter than he was before he left. 
they clearly have too much talent now, uh, and they don't know what to do with everybody. And th- again, these are elite level guys. This is not Kurt Hawkins. This is Shinsuke, Kurt, right? And you want to know what's funny about Kurt Hawkins? Kurt Hawkins has had to physically go to WWE Creative and say, "Please do not end my right. losing streak." It's the only thing the creative thing he has. I have. Yes, I agree. I agree. And the fact that he has to go to them and say that speaks volumes. Ultimately, it is one guy at the top, yeah. but man. The creative has nothing for you shit. That's ridiculous. Look at what Dave Lagana has done with nothing true. in the NWA. It's true. I literally wrote a long-form article about how Tim Storm was only a guy I knew from Wikipedia when I would check and see who the NWA champion was. Right. And they made me care about that title right. to the point to where it was on All In. That title is not on All In without 10 pounds of gold in that series. It's not. Shinsuke Nakamura, in my opinion should be the top guy in the SmackDown brand, in my opinion. When he was in NXT, he had 15,000 people at Barclays in Brooklyn singing his music. He goes to the, to the main roster. He's got WWE audiences singing his music. And they decided, hey, let's have him start like, hitting people in the balls. Let's, let's try a heel turn with him. Let's change his music so that people can't sing it anymore. They're still trying to sing it, Sean. Even yeah. now, now they've got the Japanese rap in the middle of it. They're still trying to sing it. Because they want to cheer for Shinsuke Nakamura. The guy is an elite level talent. And they clearly, they're using him as a pawn right now, Sean, for Orton and Jeff Hardy. They're using him as a pawn for another feud because they have nothing for him. And it's a real shame. He's, he's such a talent, you know? He's, they, they've rendered him useless. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not okay for no. a guy that special. He's so and, elite. Like, I'm a massive Shinsuke Nakamura fan. That guy's elite. And he looks like a star and he carries himself like a star. And his whole presentation and his music and everything, the guy is, is just elite. And uh, they just don't know what to do with him. It's a real shame. And uh, there, are, there are a lot of guys that they just took just to take. I don't think Nakamura is one of the guys they took just to take. Right. Neither is AJ. Right. But, I mean, Tama Tonga turned down their offer two or three times, he said. And you speak about the, the hotel and all that stuff. Ronda Rousey even says that she has to pay for her own, I believe. What? I, I, no I, way. I believe I heard no that right. way. Where'd I you hear that? I feel like she said it in an interview recently. I got I to gotta double check on that. Although I would like to make this a show where we do absolutely no research and embrace that. <laughs> I get paid trans and hotel for regional amateur MMA con- This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Commentary, Jimmy. Uh, you get paid trans and hotel for a uh, wrestling and MMA combat sports crossover website <laughs> that is in the red. Hey, well, and you get and you get patrons in hotel. I'm just gonna say I might start taking more trips then if that's the case. But that makes sense for an in red venture, <laughs> right? Oh well, yeah. Well, well, I mean, based on some of the the freelancers I've worked with in the past, yeah, it does. Fair, but. fair. All right, this is the perfect segue from the uh, the not knowing what to do with the elite level talent to stupid people. Go ahead, Melissa. This is a stupid song, it just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. 
All right, thanks again to TrevorStrong.org for the usage of the stupid song. You know, every now and then, Sean, and it's rare, but every now and then, we'll have somebody on social media say, hey, do you think maybe Stupid People News has run its course? And my answer for that is no. No, it is not. Because I like it. I think Sean likes it. Melissa giggles through it. I think it's funny. We're going to keep doing it. And it's a nice little break, so we're going to keep doing it. And I got a couple doozies today, Sean. I, oh, think, I think this first one you've probably heard about because it was everywhere. So you've probably heard about it. Okay. This first one is reported by NBC Connecticut on September 7. So there was a 30-year-old woman uh, in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And she was at her home with her family and they had thunderstorms in Bridgeport. And it knocked out the power. Okay. All right. Uh, she thought this is no problem. They had just bought the home two years prior. And she remembered that the previous owners had left a bunch of stuff in the basement. And one of the things that they had left was some candles. And so the woman, uh, the 30-year-old woman from Bridgeport thought, awesome, I'm just going to go down, I'll grab a candle, we can get some light going in the house. Not a big problem at all. Goes down and gets, gets it. But there was an issue. Any idea what the issue might have been? Her dick fell off. <laughs> uh, it wasn't a candle, it was a stick of dynamite. Uh, well, it went off, she lit it, it exploded, it uh, caused extreme injury to her hand, uh, as of last word, she might lose several fingers, and uh, even worse, you, you want to talk about resources, even worse, this incident resulted in state police, the state fire marshal, the state police palm squad, the Bridgeport police officers, uh, and firefighters, and staff from the city fire marshal's office, they all had to respond they had to evacuate houses on either side of the victim's house as a precaution. Uh, and all because she wanted to get some light for her family when the power went off at her house. Oh, that's sad. I, I can't. I don't even know if that qualifies. Like, I don't know that if I saw a stick of dynamite that I would know. I mean, I know what Come it looks on. like on cartoons. How do you sure. not know that that's a candle or not? <laughs> Does it have TNT on the... Jimmy, you thought my candle was a cupcake. I did, but I was also sitting from afar, and I'd had a couple beers. True. I did. I thought it was a cupcake. I did. But I would know if I picked something up, if it's a candle or a stick of dynamite. I'm going to know. That's true. So there was that. Why did they have a stick of dynamite? Did they figure that out? Say that again? Why did they have a stick of dynamite? The previous owners left it in their basement. Who knows why they had it? They left it there. This That's next the one, question I want answered. This next one was reported by RTTV out of Russia on August 31st. And this is good, too. Uh, so there's a man in St. Petersburg, and his name is Pavel Baranenko. And he's the leader of a patriotic organization known as Red Star. So it's kind of like a pro-Russia organization, right? Okay. In the past, this guy, Mr. Baranenko, uh, he had illegal weapons seized from his home by authorities. He had a live crocodile <laughs> seized from his home by authorities. This time around, Sean... He had a World War II-era tank seized by authorities. Why do you think authorities uh, took that tank, that World War II-era tank, from Mr. Pavel Baranenko? He, uh, he was offering, this past spring, he was offering oh, rides wow. on the beach <laughs> for 300 rubles, which is a little over $4 U.S. You oh, can, wow, you can, that's a steal of that's a, a steal. deal. That's a steal. So he had people, and one of those rides uh, featured a man and two boys, age 10 and 15, and there's video uh, courtesy of RTTV. Here's what happened. Go ahead and play that clip, Melissa. 
fucking god. Now the good news is, so for our audio guys, I'm trying to clean it up. For man, for our audio only listeners, uh, the kids fell off the tank and I rolled over top of them. Fortunately, they escaped with only minor injuries. Oh wow! Because the tank, the tank has those those treads, and so they were in the middle. So it went over them, and they only suffered minor injuries. Uh, This video that we just saw was uploaded online. As you can imagine, it got a lot of attention locally. Led authorities to Mr. Baranenko, and they seized his tank. I would Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine giving out tank rides on the beach for $4 US? Once you run over a couple kids, you might as well run over the people with the cameras, too. Got to get rid of those witnesses. Might as well. Yeah, might as well. This last one, you might have heard of this one, because this one's football-related. This is for the SRS file. And it was reported by Cleve. Did, did somebody throw a dildo on the field the Buffalo Bills no, game again? Not quite that. Not again? quite that. Yeah, not quite that. Yeah, this, was, this was reported by Clevescene.com on September 7th. So there's a reporter that works for ESPN Cleveland. His name is Aaron Goldhammer. And he was so certain that the Cleveland Browns NFL team would not pick a quarterback in the NFL draft this year by the name of Baker Mayfield. He was so certain that they would not take Mr. Bay- Mayfield, that he said on the air that if they draft him, he's going to eat horse shit. <laughs> oh, great. Of course, the Cleveland Browns with that first pick in the NFL draft, and I wonder if the GM kind of partly did it for that reason, but they, <laughs> they drafted Mr. Baker Mayfield, which means that for the last four months, this guy has been dragging his feet while his co-workers have been on him, and they've been on him, and kind of like Buddy with the hat. Uh, Rob with the hat. They've been on them and they've been on them. And finally, Mr. Aaron Goldhammer came through this week. Uh, We have the video. This is courtesy of Dustin A at ANUT1331 on Twitter. Now, you're going to see the bowl of this thing. Uh, Oh, you said there's no audio? You can talk over it. Okay, put the video up. Here's the video of Mr. Aaron Goldhammer right here. That right there, that's horse poop and ketchup. They put ketchup in with the horse poop. Here's Mr. Aaron. He's counting it down. And there he goes. There he goes. He's living down that promise. That's bad. Looks like it immediately came back up. He's got the the garbage ready to go. (laughs) Look at that face, man. Look at that. Uh, What a dipshit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Almost literally in that situation. Yeah. Well, you know what? I've I've said often, you know, hope will work at Fightful forever. But if something bad happens, at least I, it ain't that hard to get hired by ESPN Cleveland. Apparently, apparently not. Apparently Woo. not. Yeah. And you know, I, I was talking about this with, with friends the other day. Why would you make a bet like that on something that's completely out of your control? You know completely what I mean? Completely out of control. Apparently, he oh was convinced God. that they were going to pick one of two other quarterbacks. That was the backstory. He thought there's two other quarterbacks they'll likely choose instead. So he was determined that they weren't going to pick that guy, and then they did. I wish he would have had a camera on him for his reaction for the draft pick, the actual (laughs) pick. Yes. That would have been awesome, too. Yeah. So good for him. Let's move on. I want to talk about Vince McMahon. Uh, Okay. Now, this this news and the the, the outcome of this news, this could go two ways. This could be really, really good, or this could be really, really disappointing. And so we'll see what happens. So ESPN reports that there are a couple of writers. uh, One, his name is Craig Marks, and the other, his name is Rob Tannenbaum. And they were behind a book called I Want My MTV. And it was an oral history of MTV. Uh, and now they have agreed, uh, or WWE has agreed, to allow those writers to write a book about WWE. It's going to be an oral history of WWE. And Miss McMahon himself 
has agreed to be involved with the project, which makes it really, really interesting. Uh, Tannenbaum said to ESPN, this is not going to be a situation where we get a 15-minute phone interview at events. We're going to have unprecedented access to Vince McMahon and to the entire McMahon family. They plan to cover the history of WWE from the late 60s, early 70s, right up to present day. They plan on interviewing a minimum of 500 people, Sean. Wow. 500 people for this book. The MTV book was 608 pages. Just to give you an idea of how detailed they are, 608 pages, and now they're planning to do this about WWE. If Vince chooses to do this the right way, this thing could be stellar. Like this yes. could be this could be just unprecedented. But if he chooses to go the other way of oh, I don't like the word wrestling and I don't like the word belt and I don't like whatever, if he chooses to go in that direction, then it's going to be very disappointing. So, I'm curious what direction they go in. Me too, and I mean. I, I like that WCW Nitro book that just came out because they interviewed like 120 people, people you don't usually hear from. So 500 interviews about Minimum. Vince McMahon. Minimum. Well, Minimum. not just Vince McMahon, but about WWE too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Whew. I'm, I, I'm excited for that. And they said, what, within the next two years? I think it might take them a little longer than that. Yep. So apparently, like the, the story behind the book concept is interesting in itself because apparently they've been trying for years to get uh, permission. And apparently every yeah. year, every year, like once or twice a year, they've been calling the office. And once or twice a year, they've been told, not interested, not interested. Then they call the next year. Then they call the next year. Finally, for yeah. whatever reason, this was the year that Vince McMahon agreed to do it. I'm kind of wondering, kind of like with Bret Hart, where Bret Hart decided to go back to Raw, and the catalyst for that was that Bret didn't want to be forgotten. That was a big thing to him, right? Yeah. He didn't want to be forgotten. Bret even said in the ring live on Raw, it's good to, he said something like, it's good to know I'm not forgotten or never to be forgotten. I wonder if Vince is thinking now, I'm 73 years old, I'm getting ready to kind of hand the keys off to Hunter. Uh, I wonder if he's thinking, I want to make sure that I'm not forgotten and that my story is told. Maybe that's what he's he also thinking. Has, he also has that screw you money from Fox, USA, Saudi Arabia right now. He oh, doesn't he, have to worry that He already had screw you money, although he's put so yeah, much yeah. of it into the XFL, but he already had a bunch of screw you money. Exactly. You know? he'd, have, he'd have way more than that now had he waited to do I, that. I, I don't think also, or, or maybe not done that at all. That would yeah. have been a good call, too. Yeah, but I'm, I'm very anxiously anticipating that one, and, uh, and we'll see what happens, and we'll see how good it is. So, Melissa, are you an award show fan? Mm, not particularly, no. Sean, you? No. So I, I hate I hate the Grammys. I hate the Oscars. It's the most boring shit I've ever seen. So I, I, I don't use the word hate often, but I hate award shows. I hate award shows. The reason I hate award shows is because, to me, it's the glorification of celebrity. I feel like we talked about this before. To me, it's the glorification of celebrity. These people are already grossly overpaid compared to everybody else. They already get all these perks and everything. And now on top of that, they get to like walk on the red carpet wearing million-dollar jewelry while the, cat, while the commoners are sitting behind fences and barricades. I hate the whole concept of the thing. But you know who doesn't, Sean? Vince McMahon. Correct. And I am, I am convinced, Sean, and again, we've talked about this before, I am convinced that for decades... For decades, Vince McMahon has craved mainstream acceptance. He has craved it. And they did the thing this year where they tried to get into the Emmys, right? They did the big pitch and the big presentation because I think that he craves that mainstream acceptance from the entertainment world. Uh, and so he what's, does. I think he does. And so what's happened now? Oh, boy. They have a new five-year deal with USA, <sighs> with NBC Universal for, again, $1.325 billion for five years. 
NBC Universal owns a little station called the E Network, which 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 airs Total Divas and Total Bellas. This year on September 24th, for the first time ever, a little award show called the People's Choice Awards is going to air on E. Previously, they aired on CBS, but because it's an award show that nobody gives a shit about, now it's going to air on E as of this year. And wouldn't you know, Sean, for the first time ever, let's look at some of this stuff for a minute, Sean. Oh, when you get to this game changer of the year. Let's start, let's start with reality TV show of the year. Now, I will say this. I didn't write down every nominee. They have like 10 people per category, like 10 nominees per category. Reality TV star of the year. Uh, it includes such uh, notables as Kim Kardashian, Snooki, RuPaul, and Nikki Bella. So basically your idols, Jimmy. All of my idols, people, I have posters on my walls. My wife hates them, but uh, that's what we do. And speaking of my wife, i got to give her credit. When they did the People's Choice announcement on Monday night, my, <laughs> my wife, the casual fan, sitting next to me on the couch goes, somebody paid for that, she said. So another category that they have, show of 2018, Sean. Show of 2018. And they have such shows as Big Bang Theory, This Is Us, The Walking Dead, Modern Family, and WWE Monday Night Raw. Oh, boy. Well, let me tell you, Raw might be the best of those shows. (laughs) And then, of course, and then, of course, Game Changer of 2018. Now, they didn't say sports-related, but given the nominees, it was sports-related, so like sports game-changer of 2018. Colin Kaepernick, who's all over right now because of the Nike deal, right? Serena Williams, LeBron James, Cristiano Ronaldo, who might be the biggest star in all of soccer, and Nia Jax. I thought, I didn't think those were the ones. I thought it was like Ali Raisman and... No, Game Changer of the Year was... Well, there's more. I I only named off uh, four. they, They announced a completely different set. No, they said Serena Williams on TV. They said Serena on TV. I know, but they didn't say Colin Kaepernick and LeBron James on WWE Raw. I think Colin, they didn't want to deal with any potential shit. I don't think they... Yeah, but, I mean, still, he's a nominee. Yeah. I had somebody with the balls to say to me, oh, she was the face of an anti-bullying campaign for a billion-dollar company. Piss off, mate! (laughs) Get the fuck out of here with that! No, no, this is this is all political. And you know what, Sean, again, knowing that Vince is so determined to be accepted by the mainstream, I would not put it past him. And Stephanie is his little mini me. I wouldn't put it past both of them to tell NBC Universal, if you want this new deal, you're putting in the contract that we're getting nominated for People's Choice Awards. Like I wouldn't put it past him to put that in the contract, Sean, you know. Can you believe this? Now, the only thing I will say about this whole thing is, are you a fan of The Simpsons, Sean? I used to be. So there's an episode of The Simpsons, and this is like way back, where Homer's telling the story about when he was part of a barbershop quartet. Yeah. And, and, and when, they're, when they're telling the story, towards the end baby of the story. Baby on board. Yeah, baby on board. Towards the end of the story, they win a Grammy, right? And Homer's in his, Homer's in his hotel, and he's, he's, he's miserable because he misses his family, and he's holding the Grammy in his hand, and a bellhop comes in, gives him a bottle of champagne. Homer reaches into his pocket, doesn't have any change, so he gives the guy the Grammy <laughs> as a tip, and the bellhop goes, wow, an award statue. And he looks at it, and he goes, oh, it's just a Grammy, and he throws it off the balcony. The Grammy is about 10 pegs above the People's Choice Awards. <laughs> Might even be 15 pegs above the People's Choice oh, Awards. Yeah. So in terms of... Will there really be mainstream acceptance aside from all of the videos they're going to do on WWE television every week? 
Not probably not. But uh, it's worthless. It's pointless. And quite honestly, some of those are just downright offensive. Yes, as if it's WWE couldn't insult my intelligence anymore. They got to get E in on the action as well. It's, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. And as soon as they aired that, and and I, I'll tell you this, Sean. When you again, you look at this list of nominees, right? I doubt Kaepernick's going to actually be there. I doubt LeBron's going to be there. There's no chance in hell Renato's going to be there. But I, you damn well better believe Nia Jax is going to be sitting there. Yeah. In the audience. Same thing if you look at like reality TV, Kardashian's probably not going to be there, but Nikki Bella will be there like two days early. Oh, you know of course. What I mean? She'll be there two days early because she's going to be primed and ready to go. So, oh man. All right, let's move on. Not, not excited, not excited about that award show. I really hope that, that we don't have to do much coverage of it. Uh, now that you're saying that, I'm going to make you cover it live, <laughs> live. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give props to Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, so, yeah. so we we've had him on Fightful before. I've talked to him a couple times. He is a solid guy. What you see on on TV, that is really Diamond Dallas Page. Props to him because he actually got on the Joe Rogan podcast this past week, uh, and that is a major. Anybody that's not a Joe Rogan fan or whatever, that's a major outlet now online. Yeah, it is. Uh, DDP got on there. Uh, it was great exposure for him. I thought he came off very very well. And uh, I'm a big fan of Joe Rogan. One of the things I really like about Joe Rogan is that he's very respectful of industries that he might not necessarily know everything about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though he's an MMA guy and he's got a judo background or whatever, he's very respectful Jiu-jitsu. of pro wrestling. Jiu-jitsu. So he's very yeah. respectful of pro wrestling. Uh, and, and he understands what goes into that. And so he really put over DDP. He put over his yoga program. I can excuse the fact that he called them uh, Dallas Diamond Page a few times. <laughs> I can excuse that. I thought it was a great thing. Uh, and DDP was also on, uh, he did an interview with Chris Van Vliet. Uh, this just happened, I think, within the last couple of days. And he said yeah. that he did that all-in appearance for free, where he did the diamond cutter to uh, Davari. He said that he did that appearance for free uh, out of respect for Cody because Paige was really close to Dusty Rhodes. And he even said that he's been offered ten grand to do a diamond cutter on indie shows, always turns him down because his body can't take that move. But, mm-hmm. he said, but he, he said, uh, Chris Van Lee said, if WWE calls me, I'm doing the Diamond Cutter. But he said, yeah. he said if it was an independent show, no. But because it was uh, Dusty's son, he did it, and he did it for free. So props to him. Ten grand for a Diamond Cutter on the Indies. What yeah. kind of a money mark do you have to be? I guarantee you, Sean, I guarantee you that it would be the promoter wanting to take the move. Probably. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. But, yeah, I was happy to hear that because – DDP knows how to keep his name <laughs> relevant as well. He's very good at that. I so mean, that Rogan appearance alone, imagine the sales they probably got for his yoga program. Oh, yeah. Like, that was a good thing for him. Be- between the podcast and the clips, it did over a million on Rogan's page. Good for him, man. Good for him. Good for him. DDP seems like a good dude. I, you know, I wish nothing but good things for him. Uh, speaking of Chris Van Vliet, he interviewed Joey Ryan. And yeah. this is right after All In. Right after All In. And there were two things about that interview that I found interesting and surprising. The first was how reserved Joey Ryan is. Incredibly. Amazingly, right? So this guy goes on TV. He's, he's kind of flamboyant. And he does the, pops, or the uh, lop, lollipop thing. And he's got the penis druids at All In. And he's having everybody hold his dick for the stupid flip that I think is really, really dumb and I don't like. But he has them all do it. And he's, all, he's, he's got all this stuff about him. Off camera or out of character, he's reserved. He's quiet. He's introverted even. 
like a very yeah he is like 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 a 180 from you know when they always say that the best characters are guys who are the real person with the volume turned up he's a complete yeah. 180 like yeah, the real guy yeah I, I actually hit i actually hit him up thursday when i put together the the penis druid article that went 2500 words i had oh. to reach out to people and i didn't have a lot of time to like call people on the phone and when i interviewed the first penis druid that was the only audio interview I did. I got text responses from everybody else. Right. So Jeff Jarrett, Shane Helms, Joey Ryan. Joey Ryan was the last one. I had to get back. He got back to me after like a five-hour MLW show. Right. And the next day, even after he missed his flight, he was graceful enough to, or gracious enough to give me a response. And I, he was. He seemed like very... Like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, okay. Yeah. Do yeah, very reserved. Do sure. Very nice guy. Yeah, so that was the first thing that surprised me. The second thing that surprised me, Sean, maybe it, shouldn't, maybe it shouldn't surprise me, is that Joey Ryan claimed that wrestling fans send him dick pics. <laughs> oh, I'm not surprised by that at all. I've told you the Vince Russo story. Every week, Sean. Correct, about <laughs> how I was on the air and somebody just, bam, hit me up and ha- sent a picture of their dick and it said, Fuck Vince Russo. I hadn't worked with Vince in six months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I am not surprised. that. What are wrestling gets... fans trying to get out of that? Send Joey Ryan a picture of their dick. Well, he said he said he didn't know if it was a, hey, I've got a dick too type of thing or <laughs> check out our dicks. <laughs> not <sighs> my type of deal. I don't know. You know something, man? I... Every now and then you'll meet somebody and maybe they're into something that you think is is unique in terms of entertainment. And sometimes you'll meet people that are into something unique and they're almost embarrassed to talk to you about it because they're expecting you to be negative or shit on it. And what, yeah. I, what I always tell people is, I'm not going to judge you because I like pro wrestling. And that's what yeah. I always tell people, right? This is the stereotype of pro wrestling fans. And this is the one thing I hate about wrestling is the stereotypical wrestling fans. I was showing Sean, and I think I put it on social media, the, the Fan Expo was last week in Toronto. Uh, oh, and, yeah. and I've talked about this before. They had tri- Two weeks ago now, they had Triple H and AJ Styles, Charlotte, and The Miz. And what I didn't know until last week, Sean, was that they actually did a Q&A session with the four of them uh, with a live audience. And if you go on YouTube, you can find the, the clip. It's only They only did about like 15 or 20 minutes of a Q&A. And... I couldn't believe the quality of questions from these people. And I was asking Sean, do you think they vetted them? And do you think I that they've it, screened I made it them? I like eight minutes, man. I made it through like eight minutes of yeah. that trash. They had two guys. How many people do you think asked questions in total? Five or six total. That's all it was. Yeah. Two of them asked Hunter for a job. Two of them actually asked Hunter for even, a job. Even from a fan aspect. Because this is, this is fans. This isn't like a media press no, conference. No, these were fans. fans. Yeah. But still, like from a fan perspective, I'm yeah. like, damn, do better. Ugh. I was. I have, there, there are wrestling fans on my Twitter who make costumes that look better than what the wrestlers have made for themselves. Right. Like there are some real bright, uh, wonderful people that are really introspective and smart. Yeah. And it's like, man, vet your questions, or have kids ask the damn questions. Yeah. Now I, I will say, I guess no kid it, can ask a stupid question. No, I, I will Jesus. say in defense of the fan expo that there was one or two guys that have uh, disabilities. And so you can probably yeah. excuse them, but there were other guys, there were other guys just asked stupid shit. One guy said, Hey, AJ, I hope uh, you put some Joe. I hope you, I hope you send some Joe home in a body bag. He said, one guy said that. 
Then, like I said, two guys asked Hunter for a job. Hunter was amazing, and I loved Hunter's response to the second guy when he said, you know what, after this, I'm going to give you Vince's number. You can call him direct because he loves that. Yeah. And I thought that I was you, really good. I had told you off the air, I like Dana White's response when people do that. He goes, you have a resume? Then why are you asking me? Right, right. It's just so embarrassing that these guys do that. Like, do they think that's going to get them hired? That they look like plugs going going to a fan Q and A, asking Triple H on the spot. Hey, I'm looking to work for your like. My goodness, man, it's brutal. It's also, brutal. speaking speaking of plugs, I'd like to plug my Twitter account where I have been posting screenshots of Melissa throughout this broadcast. Oh no way! <laughs> different different emotions of Melissa. I have a thread going. You should have saw. Twitter you should right see now. her face right now. Oh, you probably can. can. You can probably see her face right now. <laughs> Awesome. I can see her face right now, actually. Now, since you, but... men- since you mentioned Vince Russo a minute ago, Sean, about how, oh, Vince Russo, somebody sent you a dick pic when you're talking to Vince Russo. Melissa, put up that tweet from Vince Russo. Put that up. Well, he... <laughs> so Vince Russo put this up today, September 12th. It says, I just got the formats for next week's Raw and SmackDown shows. Take that, Sean Ross app. Here's a sneak peek. This has got to be better than last week, and it was a test pattern. Yeah. <laughs> What do you think of the fact that Russo, uh, you know, he's doing it to shit on the company and be funny, but he's he's got a finger and a pulse about you, man. Oh, I, I thought know. it was funny, honestly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had a talk with Vince recently, and he said that he didn't agree with me posting that stuff. And lucky for him, I'm not going to be. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. And I don't care uh, if he agree we'll with you or not because it was something that you needed to do. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's my job. I yeah. mean, that's ultimately what it comes down to. My job is if I get information like that, is to vet it, then relay it, and inform my audience. And one of my favorite parts about my job is learning, too, and I learn a lot from that. There you go. As you found out, Jimmy, and as Alex says, WWE has cut the tops off of their Nike socks in order to keep me from finding out this information of late. We'll see how long it lasts. I want to talk about The Rock for a minute. and I I guess this isn't The Rock. This is his daughter, Simone, if if we're being technical. Pro, Pro Wrestling Sheet reports that Simone, who is only 17, Sean, has started training yeah. part-time at the Performance Center in Orlando. She's serious about getting into wrestling upon graduation. Now, we know the story about Nia Jax, right? Nia Jax went to WrestleMania, I think when Rock was in there, either with Cena or it might have been the Ronda Rousey one. Uh, Nia Jax was there with Rock's mom as a, as a spectator and thought, this is something I might like to do. And because she's related to The Rock... She got fast-tracked into, into developmental and fast-tracked to the main roster. You better damn well believe that if Simone Johnson in three, four years decides, yeah, I definitely want to do this, she is going to get fast-tracked oh, yeah. in record time. Because can you imagine WWE thinking, if we have Rock's daughter, we got the Rock. You know Hit what the I mean? bricks, Nia Jax. <laughs> <laughs> there, if, if there's ever going to be a likelihood of Rock staying involved with, with WWE, it's if his daughter is on the roster. Right? So, oh, yeah. So you know that they're going to be all over that one. Uh, let's talk about... I mean, about... They, should, they should be, too. And she has a real interest. She, she's continued friendships with a lot of these wrestlers. She is, she is in contact, I'm told, with, re- with several wrestlers on the main roster and uh, NXT regularly, like daily. I do mean, you she think, really loves wrestling. Do you think she's aware? I mean, I'm sure Nia would probably tell her. Do you think she's aware of the grind and aware of the, the abuse on your body? I don't think she is to that degree. I mean, she I know she's been at the Performance Center, and those people know it to a small degree. Those who have been on the indies. Nia Jax would do. know it, though, and they're, they're related. Nia would know it, but 
look at the last. How long's Nia been on the main roster? A couple years. How many breaks has she taken already? Yeah, that's very true. Which she can get away with doing. Yes, yeah. she can. Yeah. Yes, she can. Also, it was very hard for me to not crack up during that because I was watching Melissa discover all of the pictures of her on Twitter, which gave me more reactionary shots to then post on Twitter. I don't know if she's too happy about that, Sean. I don't know. You, you might have stepped over a line on that. You might have. Well, how about this, Melissa? People go to jail for this, Sean. Yeah, because you, you posted well, stuff without her consent on social media. There might be a line you're crossing on that one. Well, you know what? We're going to cross a line because I'm going to fight Melissa soon. I, we already fought. I won. I'm laying down the challenge, Melissa. Oh, I think you definitely laid down. Melissa, Melissa, psst, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Psst. You got you to gotta make like it hasn't happened yet, Melissa. God damn, Melissa. I mean, who knows Jesus. the outcomes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about Chris Jericho because he uh, he addresses all in appearance on his podcast this past week, and I want to read you a quote from Jericho uh, and get your thoughts. Remember last week you and I were talking about hey the whole not working in the U.S. Do you think that his run in counted? Do you think it didn't count? So here's what Jericho said. He said over the course of the last few months, my mindset has kind of changed a bit to where I'm enjoying being a part of this kind of new revolution of wrestling that's going on. So I just thought, well, I'll consider it, but the idea has to be right. He said that what happened was Cody hit him up about being Bernard the Bear. Because, you know, they yeah. always have somebody else be Bernard the Bear. Including, apparently, there's a joke about Batista being Bernard the Bear. But, I don't know uh, how much of a joke it was. Well, I don't, I don't think Dave's going to do that. I don't even they, know if he... They, I don't, sorry? They had Kenny Omega do it once for his, one of his first appearances in the States in a long time. Yeah. Well, anyway, so he said that Cody pitched him that idea and Jericho wasn't into it because uh, Cody wanted him to attack Ibushi in the main event. And yeah. he thought, well, I don't really have a story with him, and there's no future match planned with him. And then they came upon the idea of, what if I jump Kenny? We do it earlier in the show because I got a Fozzie gig. Uh, and he even thought about, maybe I could move the Fozzie gig, maybe, maybe move it earlier up in the day, and then I can do that gig first and then do the show. They ended up leaving the gig where it was. They did the uh, Omega match earlier in the show to make him do it. Based on hearing him talk about the revolution of wrestling outside WWE, I think the odds of him returning to WWE outside of one-offs is probably pretty low now, I think. Yeah, I would, I would think so. He, he understands the shift in the business and how to keep himself relevant and how to keep himself hot in the industry. He, <laughs> Melissa has to stop distracting me during this show. But <laughs> Okay, we're going to make but, sure yeah, if you, he, in future weeks there is no camera that lets uh, Chelsea No, no, we've got to have it. We gotta no, we're not, because I can't have you distracted it. the whole time. I think we need it up in the top of our little thing, like a little square in between both of us. But uh-huh. anyway, Chris Jericho understands, but i got to think, now that we mention it, it's a good thing they didn't have him attack Ibushi with that time crunch. Oh, they couldn't they have. Had. They couldn't have. They, they couldn't have done it. No. Jericho saw the right opportunity, and man, that was a good one. Dressing up as Pentagon, that is a moment that people were going to remember. Yep. It was, it, was, it was really good. It was. He's really savvy about that stuff. And a He's lot not of people, stupid, yep. A, a lot, yeah, a lot of people aren't. He understands what he has to do in order to get over and stay over, and yep. then, oh, okay, maybe people are forgetting about me a little bit. Now they're going to remember me again. Yeah, and actually the one-offs, even WWE one-offs, just make them that much hotter as opposed to yeah. being a weekly talent. That's why it worked for Brock. And I got to tell you, man, and I, I, was, I was talking to my wife about this on Monday, I feel like they're dropping the ball with Ronda Rousey. 
Like it I, seems so. she, she, that tag match exposed her, man. Well, not just that, and and yeah, you know the way she did the heart attack. She definitely is not Bret Hart doing that clothesline, yeah. but I feel like she's overexposed. I feel like that she's on TV too much, uh, and I feel like the 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 shine that she had at the Royal Rumble when she came in, I feel like that shine is worn off. So well, the thing about her is she wants to be on TV every I week. I know she does, but. I don't know. She she should be a unique level talent. She should be a Brock Lesnar level talent. Not that I'm saying that she should be off TV for months at a time like Brock was. Yeah. But what about once a month or something? I get something? what you mean. You know what I mean? I get what you mean. But with the, the level of time killing they had on Raw, they, they needed her. But I thought that match exposed her. But like I said, she wants to be there every week. She wants to uh, be at live events. She wants to do this stuff because she wants to do it the right way. She wants to be the opposite of Brock Lesnar in that regard. I'm cool with her doing live events because that's how she's going to get experience and that's how she's yeah. going to get the green off is by doing live events. Have her do live events. I personally would not have her on TV every week. I would Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Or at the very least, you maybe have her in a video package. Like have her right. in a sit-down interview. Have her in something like that that really... And you can have her on, on a dark match main event. I mean, my God. Yeah. There's your dark match main event every single week on Raw. Yeah. Ronda Rousey throwing Alexa Bliss and arm barring her in 12 seconds. Yep, that yep. Is your... You could do that. But I would definitely keep her off live TV, limit it to once a month, make her special. She sh- I mean, they haven't released the financial terms. She's not doing that for 100 downside. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and I mean that's also a good way, as I mentioned, the dark matches afterwards. That's a good way to get her that experience in front of big crowds that are right. going to react. Right. Give her those matches. Put her in different types of matches. Right. Make a dark match after the show a triple threat. She can afford to screw up there. Right. I mean she's 18 matches into her WWE career. She's wrestled a lot more this year than than Brock did. Probably more this year than Brock has in the last two or three years. Well, Brock's done a lot of uh, live events. Let me let me take a look. I've got his his match list up here right now. But she is at 18 right now. Uh, it's the same amount that Brock has wrestled since WrestleMania of last year. Okay. Okay. Oh, whatever. All right. One more thing on my list this week. So I noticed that some of our uh, listeners and some of our viewers last week were surprised that I didn't mention the Shawn Michaels Undertaker promo. Yeah. Uh, and the reason I didn't mention it was because, number one, I had a lot of content last week to go over it. And number two, you covered it on the post-Raw show. So yeah. I didn't feel the need to do it. Uh, the only thing I'm going to say, so first off, I thought that Sean was the one that really stole the show in that promo, much he more so than The Undertaker did. Uh, but I will say this, and I think this is, this is humorous, and I think maybe you talked about this on the post-Raw show before. John Cena spent weeks and weeks and weeks prior to WrestleMania calling out The Undertaker, almost healing on The Undertaker, disrespecting The Undertaker, calling him a coward, doing everything that he could possibly do to get The Undertaker to show up, and The Undertaker never did. All Shawn Michaels had to do was have the company announce, next week, Shawn Michaels is going to be live on Raw. That's all he had to do, and boom, Taker is there, and Taker's going to be on the show next week as well. Isn't that kind of funny? Obviously, that, that wasn't the intention. But yeah. uh, but isn't it funny? All they got to do is say Sean's going to be there, and there's Taker. But Cena, you're a coward, and you're a <laughs> pussy, and you suck, and no Undertaker. That's what Alex was saying on the post raw show. He was like, Cena begs him every week. Yeah. Shawn Michaels, like, just is like Undertaker, and all of a sudden, poof, Columbus. Yeah. Ohio. Yeah. yeah. Damn, yeah. they can't get people to show up in Columbus for the Arnold Classic and 100,000 people are there. That's right. Like, it, My God, man. Yeah. I did love the segment, though, and 
I'm interested to see how they build this over the next few weeks. Undertaker's going to be on Raw next week. Yeah. And here we were last year thinking Undertaker was going to hang it up. Doesn't look like he is anytime soon. No, and I mean, obviously the Cena match, he was protected. The Rusev match at Greatest Royal Rumble was eh. You know what yeah. I mean? So, it wasn't good. I mean, Hunter, Hunter is a pro, and you know, if anybody's going to throw himself around and sell like hell for the Undertaker, it's going to be Triple H. So he'll do what he can to make that match good, but I don't know, man. I mean, whether he's in good shape or not, he's still in his 50s, and he's beaten up. So, yeah. How much can you possibly do? I'm inclined do? to agree. I guess one other thing we'll talk about, since uh, there's a lot of rumors, uh, talking about Shawn Michaels. So there's rumors about Shawn Michaels at the Saudi show. Now, I thought that that show is not going to be televised. That was the rumor, that they're not going to televise that show. And wouldn't... <sighs> I mean, they want... the amount of money they can give him for that show is obscene. It is, but if you're not going to televise it, why would you... And why would he do it? Fill up the arena, maybe. No, but why would he do it? What's, what's the incentive to him? I, I can't pretend to know how Shawn Michaels operates. I mean, he's legitimately stayed away for seven years. Yeah. And, or as he said, I almost mean, a decade. Almost a decade. Yes, decade in WWE years, you know. The 10-foot ladder is a 20-foot ladder because somebody's standing on top of it. Right. It's six feet tall. Right. But I, I don't have an answer here. Shawn Michaels isn't the type of guy I can reach out to. I mean, people mm-hmm. I like to speak to at the Performance Center say he is a wonderful help mm-hmm. and really, really understands how to put together a match today. I mean – you want to look at the difference between today's wrestling and, and seven years ago. I did a retro review with Alex Andresen, our champion-level subscriber over at FightfulSelect.com. We did a retro review podcast. We're spoiled today with the in-ring work. It was mm-hmm. garbage in mm-hmm. 2010. It was trash. And I've had a lot of people at the Performance Center say that Sean really understands even how it shifted in that amount of time. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would be lying. I'm not one of those guys that's like, Oh, I don't need to see Sean. I do want to see Sean Michaels wrestle again. I do want to. I think. I, I mean, he's in, he's in great shape, and yeah. and I bet he could still probably work a passable match. I mean, he's going to be ricochet, no, but he could probably still work I, a passable match. You know, I watch Pierre Carl Ouellette wrestle like once a month, twice, once every other month. Right. I watch freaking Quebecer Pierre. Hell yeah, I'm going to watch and want to watch Sean Michaels wrestle. Yeah. So I'm all for that, and I want. I do want it to happen. I mean, maybe even even if it's selfishly for. Yeah, have you heard a lot about his financial situation? Because if if you read his second book, he basically indicated that he wasn't well off financially, like he couldn't retire. Yeah, and that's the case with a lot of pro wrestlers. I mean, you got to retire at thirty instead or forties instead of sixties, seventies. And he's I know he's getting paid pretty well at the Performance Center. Yeah, well, I, I think that's one reason he took the job. I mean, I'm sure he missed the business. I'm sure he likes being around the guys. But I think he took it because he needed to. Yeah, but I have heard about him doing stuff like he'll he'll take or offer to take everybody there to see movies. And oh, that's cool. Like all kinds of cool stuff. Like he's a real mentor there. And that's cool. He is one of those guys that you hear about, oh, the Shawn Michaels in the 90s. Completely different guy. I would love to I, ask Bret Hart about that because I'll never forget when Bret Hart, I think Bret Hart was on Off the Record. And this yeah. is when Shawn came back born again. And yeah. uh, Michael Landsberg, the host, said to Bret Hart, you know, there's lots of stories now about how Sean has changed and, and, you know, he's found religion and everything. And Bret Hart said, a leopard doesn't change his spots. Mm. Well, that was before, that was, well, that was before Bret came back. Yeah. Uh, so I'd like to know his thoughts now because it seems like they're pretty friendly now. Yeah, Bret's a br- bitter fellow, too. Yeah, but he you is. Guys, 
You guys won't be better if you subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. Of course, Fightful Wrestling brings you all your free stuff. But FightfulSelect.com is our premier service. Two Q&A shows a month, a retro review show every month, access to our photo gallery, I'll take a behind-the-scenes footage, a weekly BTE, Lucha Underground, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor wrap-up show called The Weekender, where I also give you all an injury report and break down exclusive news from the weekly uh, Fightful Wrestling Weekly. We have the 205 Live NXT review show every week, where Warren Hayes has also been covering May Young Classic. We have dark match commentary every other week. We have samples of a lot of this stuff on YouTube, where you just check out our playlist, and it, it'll pop up and say Fightful Select Previews. One tier up, we have Stupid People Extended, early access to articles in the Fightful Wrestling Weekly, an e-copy of Jimmy Van's book. Did you mention you the mask? Shirt. He's not mentioning any of the physical rewards. Yeah, did you mention the mask? Do oh, I need, I'm sorry. Do you I need also to air get a that video again? sticker on the first, on the first tier. You know, speaking of Shawn Michaels, i got to tell you this because I'm a little distracted. Speaking of Shawn Michaels, your shirt is so white. Like, you, you've been bleaching that thing. That thing is so white. It's practically shining on the back of your chair. Like, you see that, Melissa? Like, yeah. it's shining. Wow. If, I, if I could get you, like, a white hat, you could be Shawn Michaels from the Heaven and Hell concept with Taker at WrestleMania. You could do the, you know, rising up. Or I guess Shawn came down, right? Yeah, he came down from the heavens. But you, that thing is bright, man. Shirt so white, it eats mayonnaise on everything, I guess. <laughs> Looks like it. Looks like it. What else you got, Jimmy? That's all I got today, man. We're going to do uh, Stupid People Extended after this. FightfulSelect.com. We've got three more good ones for you guys, so check that out. Check it out. Subscribe. I'm going to be running contests soon. We will be running contests soon based on commenting on stories over at Fightful.com, our discus community. Please join that. You can interact with me. Hell in a Cell this Sunday. I was actually be telling there. Sean off the air. I was telling Sean off the air, so right here, I have a uh, event poster for UFC. What number is it, Sean? 229? 229. Okay, so I have the event poster here for uh, 229, Conor McGregor and, and Habib. Uh, there's a pub I go to in Toronto a lot. I know the owner. He uh, got the shipment of posters today, had an extra one, gave it to me. I'm on the fence. Should I, like, keep it? Should I give it away? Should I make it a contest prize? Well, if you mention it now, we got to give it away. <laughs> no, we don't necessarily. I could just get some live, live <laughs> feedback on the chat. I have a buddy in sports memorabilia that could maybe get me to Conor McGregor, so I might be able to get this autographed. So I'm on the fence if I should keep it or give it away. What do you think, Sean? Should I keep it or give it away? Well, I mean, you know, I'm rather fond of the person you were speaking of giving it to. So, I mean, I was like, man, I don't want to... Maybe I'll just do that. That'd probably be the nice thing to do. Them. Yeah, maybe I'll Guys, do that. Please check, it the, check out the Fightful MMA podcast. Myself, Showdown Joe, James Lynch. James Lynch has a great inside track on a lot of stories in the MMA world. Uh, as connected as anybody is right now so make sure you all check that out fightfulmma.com this saturday myself and carlos toro coming at you live after triple g canelo 2 i can't wait for that fight and of course hell in a cell you all can see all of our podcasts at fightfulpods.com but we are everywhere spotify iheart radio itunes youtube libsyn all over the place no excuse not to find us follow me at sean ross sap follow jimmy at jimmyvan74 but most importantly visit fightful.com 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.